space justice system, the people are represented by two separate yet equally important groups. <laughs> oh my god! The sexy captains who instigate the crimes, and the sexy attorneys who prosecute the offenders. This is their story. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Law and Order STOS, or episode 20, the, the trial of Kirk's supposed premature ejaculation. <laughs> I'm done. This podcast is over. It's the greatest 30 seconds. Thank God we didn't lose that. I know. Okay, carry on. <coughs> was I? I got the entire intro, right? Not, no. not to the podcast, no. Oh, didn't I? No. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Not So Much the Neutral Zone, a Star Trek podcast by ladies where we talk about Star Trek and apparently Law and Order at <laughs> great length. Very loudly. I am your host, Kareem, joined as ever by my lovely co-host, the fantastic Kim. Hello. And the perfectly adequate Ari. Hi. And this is episode 20 where we were talking about Court Martial. <laughs> that intro <laughs> makes sitting through this episode worth it. <laughs> Kim. Okay, I, <laughs> I was really worried because... I love this episode. I see no flaws with it. I see this being a very short conversation. Okay, then. We'll just soldier on. (laughs) I thought this was very interesting. It was, like, it was a crime drama, which we don't often get in Star Trek without knowing the end of it. I thought that the reveal was so interesting. The way they got there was interesting. You thought the reveal was interesting? I thought the reveal and the whole thing was a big giant, what? Where did that come from? I feel like, Kim, you need to watch more Agatha Christie murder mysteries because it was very the idea of someone doing an elaborate faking their own death in order to punish someone who wronged them 20 years ago is perfectly legitimate. Well, not just way. read Agatha Christie, read about Agatha Christie because she did exactly that to her <laughs> husband. You think you're going to divorce me? Oh, I'll show you. <laughs> A little intense, screen. <laughs> well, if... I would I would say that that merits what she actually did, which was fake her own death and frame her husband. It was incredible. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. She's kind of a role model. But this guy, this just seemed like an overly elaborate plot that... What was he expecting to happen once Kirk was court-martialed to show back up and go, guess what? I'm not dead. I'm the captain now. Like, what was his end goal? I don't think he had an end game. I think Was he, he just going to be fake dead for the yeah. rest of his life? I don't see how else it could have gone. It is, it is, there are a few plot holes. <laughs> a few. Which I think happened because there was the, the original story, which was much longer than they had to cut it for time. So there's a number of, like incongruous voiceovers that explain a lot of things that would have made a lot more sense had we actually seen them. Yeah. That was one of my questions is, why is there a voiceover here? Why are there so many voiceovers? Like, only like three places? At the end, there was like, yeah, it was weird. Although I did enjoy hearing uh, James Kirk describe Finney in hindsight as beaten and sobbing. Yes. 
<laughs> what I'm sure was a factual description. James T. Kirk, as we shall see, never lies. Mm. So it is star date 2943.7. We are zooming into what looks like Gilmore Station on the Vancouver Skytrain. <laughs> <laughs> it is a beautiful matte painting of Starbase oh, 11. This was beautiful. The art, the background, the matte art for the Starbase was gorgeous. I loved it. It was so beautiful. I do like when we get to see a little bit more of what Starfleet is and a hint of those kind of alien worlds because this is a story that could very easily other than like the microphone that when you tap it on someone's shirt <laughs> eliminates their heartbeat. <laughs> um, other than that, it is a story that could have taken place kind of anytime, anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I did notice about this one, and it probably happened in the other episode where we had star bases, but right now, star bases on a planet. Yeah. Yes. Which I... Because in my head, because like in Next Gen and DS9, and star bases are like giant stations that hang out in the middle of space. But so this was really sort of to realize, oh, they're going to a planet for a star base. Mm -hmm. And the Enterprise has been through an ion storm that has left one dead. Just one. I mean, I think all things considered, that's a pretty good outcome. I think that was an acceptable loss for everyone. Yeah. Uh, but when people die, there has to be an inquiry because mm-hmm. apparently there is some sort of HR in yeah. Starfleet. I was so happy about this. Yeah. There's actually a point where I scrolled it, giant letters. Is this, is this the HR officer? <laughs> I was so happy for you, Kareem. <laughs> I was very happy, but I think my problem still resides in the fact that there is no independent police. There's no space police. There well, is Starfleet, well, who has their just, own, like, is it NCIS? No, it's JAG. It's just like the real military. This is actually yeah, a solid analog yeah. with the way that it works in the real world. Doesn't military NCIS courts, does do the same thing where they investigate crimes navally. in the Navy? Yeah. <laughs> so to steal a phrase from one of my favorite podcasts, they solve crime navally. <laughs> it sounds like they just go up to people and stare at their belly buttons until they confess. <laughs> Which, as far as I know, is exactly what happens in the show. <laughs> yeah, but no, that's like... Jag. There's another whole other TV show for Jag, which K-A-G. is the Jug yeah. Advocate General's office. Jug Advocate. <laughs> Judge. You said, the- you said Jug. It's fine. <laughs> I would love to see the Jug Advocates. <laughs> this judge is too bottlenecked. But no, that's that's exactly what works in the real world. With military military courts take precedence over Kate. civilian ones. So this is exactly like the real world, actually. I don't like it, though, like- because there's no outside of Starfleet, which could be corrupted in itself. And you're dealing with potentially interplanetary interspecies conflict but not in this instance and well, no i'm not i'm not arguing about this instance this instance it makes sense because it is exactly that they even have the stupid bell like they had in yeah. white squall we yeah. see it we see it later though we see like greater courts that look sort of look over starfleet we see it in at least one of the movies like one of the original series movies that i can think of i'm sure probably in the series too but in the next generation, don't they? But it's all yeah. through mm-hmm. the Starfleet, which is well, no, the the one in is it Voyage Home where Kirk's on trial for whatever pissing off the Klingons. That's not a star. That's a Starfleet. That's a that's a Federation court. It's not a yeah. Starfleet court. And we don't have the Federation rate. We're not, suppo- I don't think it's been mentioned. No, we're legend. supposed to be in sort of the timeline or whatever. The Federation is supposed to be a thing that is existing, and because it actually gets established. 
kind of at the end of Enterprise, is they start up the Federation because Archer is the best man who ever existed and he can do anything. Oh, disputable. Yes, definitely. But we're supposed to have a Federation at this point and it's sort of newish. It's fledgling. Okay. Yeah. So, sorry, just to put this in ways that I can kind of conceptualize it, the Federation is essentially supposed to be the UN, but with more With actual teeth. power. Yes. Yeah. And then... Starfleet is the military science branch. The military, yes, but it is the military exploration science branch yeah. of, of the, the Federation. Federation. Yeah. And so the Federation is headquartered on Earth. Starfleet Academy is on Earth. And people come in from all over to join up. And then they go out on ships. But other planets can have their own Indeed. space fleets and scientific bodies. So, like, you have Vulcans have their own ships. Yeah. And there's a Vulcan Science Academy, which is supposed to be like, also, one of the oldest. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they talk about, like, the Bully, uh, the Bullion Art Institute. All I can yeah. hear is Bowling Hall. <laughs> <laughs> but, and so, so, and there are, there are, there are Bajoran ships and, and that kind of thing. We see a fair number of human civilian scientists, too. It's just mm-hmm. they're usually using Starfleet for, like, hitching a ride or using their... So, yeah. in, in matters, is the Federation directing Starfleet, or does Starfleet function independently of the Federation? Federation directs Starfleet in most canon, but I don't know about right now. Yeah, it's it's but it's also sort of like, it's not like you have somebody going okay, this ship here, can you please go and pick up this specific person? You would have the Federation, like, governing body would be giving to, the like, the top brass who would then implement it. The way, like, think of it, think of it as the relationship between, like, the Prime Minister's office and the Canadian military, where, like, there's a guy, like, we have a, a what's the Minister of Armed Forces, or I don't even know what he's called. Defense he's Minister. Yeah, the Defense yeah. Minister, who's directly responsible for, like, um... Ma- managing the, the the military branch, but within the military branch, they implement the orders and they have their own disciplinary systems, etc. Okay, so the and so the federation is also going to have its own bodies, same way like the UN has, like the World Bank and the UN Health Associate, like not the Health Association, yeah, the World Health Organization, and they have um, international tribunals and like courts for war criminals and that kind of stuff that's managed as part of the UN. The Federation has the same thing as well. And so, like, I guess sort of Starfleet would be like the peacekeeper. So you can have scientists who are Federation scientists, but not necessarily Starfleet scientists. And so that's, that's the two levels that you're working at is Starfleet is just sort of a military organization that functions as a work body for the Federation. Okay. If that makes sense. It does make sense. In terms of HR, <laughs> my favorite subject, or yes. crime. Like, I get how, as an internal Starfleet matter, it makes sense to convene this military court. court. Yeah. In what is essentially an internal matter. Yeah. But when there are war criminals around, I feel like we have an episode where Picard gets involved in a trial. <sighs> I don't remember. There's probably something at some point. I know there's like, would that be a start? That would be a federation. That would be a federation, would be a federation thing. The the one. I'm, it's probably not what you're thinking of, but there's an episode that comes to mind where there is a there's two two societies that are at war. Yeah, and the federation sends an ambassador to negotiate yes. peace, and that's the guy who's he he can't speak. But he has a chorus of people, and Deanna falls in love yeah. with him. Blah blah blah. That's she not the important. Falls in love with so many people. She does. That's not the important bit here. The important bit is that he is from the Federation, and the Federation yes. has 
They are using Starfleet to transport him, escort him, and yes. keep him safe. But he, as a representative of the Federation, is in charge of doing the negotiation on behalf of the Federation right. to work for peace between the two. So that's so that's where the division comes in. And I mean, it's it's like any kind of government military crossover that it could get murky at some places. Yes. Does Picard not work as a diplomat as he he well. performs diplomatic duties sometimes, but yes. usually they're front line before the real ambassadors comes because there is such a thing as a Federation ambassadorial corps. Yeah, there are um, better. Also, Luxana Troy is a Federation ambassador. Yeah, yeah Luxana Troy is a Federation <laughs> yeah, ambassador. Um, Spock's father is a Federation ambassador. Sarek yeah. is a Federation ambassador. So, like, you see those kind of things. And so, but, like, if they're in the middle of a crisis and yeah. something, like, shit is going down yeah. right now, as a first-line responder, Picard can step in and try. And, like, that's one of his things that he does is he shows up in the middle of a conflict and it's like, hey, guys, let's work Chill. this out. Okay. Yeah. You get the impression that most Starfleet captains, like, that is a requirement for the job. Like, like what is it? Like, first aid diplomacy. Yeah. And obviously some are better at it than others. Yeah. I don't know. I'll be interested to see because now I'm like, how much of this is just stuff I've conjectured from watching no. so long and how much of this right. is like legit from the show. So it Sounds about right. We'll, we'll, we'll see, see more as we go through. I mean, compared to most science fiction shows, we see a lot. Of, I mean, space diplomacy is what Star Trek does. And space bureaucracy yeah. Yeah. is another thing that we see in Star Trek that we don't necessarily see in other shows. I think with the exception of maybe Babylon 5 yeah. the season that I saw. <laughs> yeah, I'll get there. Yes. I will get there. So we are now seeing a example of Starfleet HR, mm-hmm. where Commodore Stone is essentially sitting down with Kirk, going over a PowerPoint presentation about what happened in the death of the crewman. It's not a PowerPoint presentation. It's paper. Yes. He's looking over his paper. Yeah. There is a PowerPoint presentation Crazy on the wall, paper. however. First time we've seen paper in a while. But I guess oh, maybe no. There are a lot of clipboards being passed around. Well, yeah, but like, I get the impression that this was paper because it was an important official document. Why wouldn't you have a recording of him or like a space block of him? I've always sort of assumed that when they do like when we see things in writing, it's stuff that's been recorded by voice. Interesting point that you say. You think it's on paperwork because it's official important. That goes along with what the lawyer was saying about his books. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's kind of what made me think that It's more too. real because yeah. it's on paper. Which is still kind of an idea we have now, even though most professional environments have sort of gone screw paper. Uh, not my professional well, environment. Yours is a little Neither different. mine. <laughs> um, but, but. <laughs> Bad example, Ari. No, no, no. It, is, it is a definite movement in, in a lot of professional environments away from paper, but we still have this extremely powerful concept that things are more meaningful if they are physically written down. I think it's because that this episode is trying to make the very subtle point that we cannot trust computers. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Although I have more to say true. about that when we get to it. Oh, I cannot wait to take a tea break when you're going on that trade. But <laughs> I think we, again, have to think about the 1960s. And for a while, like, even when we were growing up, that if something was on the computer, it was infallible and true. And it took a while for society to wait. Wait. Computers are made by people. People are liars. You garbage can put in garbage. Yeah, that's why you say don't believe everything you read on the internet. But it was so hard. And... Often, I personally have to explain to people that just because it is on the internet does not make it true. Well, that's not even a, a new technology thing. People used to be like that about newspapers. So yeah, yeah. and many people still believe what they see on Fox News. So yeah. I, I think what they're making, uh, <laughs> what they're talking about here is is a valid 
point um, before we'd really gotten into things like Photoshop or digitally editing video to make it seem like people will give to you. Like, oh, I'm going to take a bathroom break when you start talking about that because I cannot bring myself to care. Um, so Kirk is wearing a super low cut shirt. <laughs> and they are talking about the death of Lieutenant Commander Finning. 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 Finney. Finney. Definitely I'm definitely not going to pronounce that correctly. We at can any just point. call him Lieutenant Commander Dead Guy. Mr. Dead Guy <laughs> has been dead because Kirk prematurely ejaculated the pod. <laughs> oh no. How many times are you planning to say prematurely ejaculated? So many. Once I actually wrote that down, I was like, oh. <laughs> well, no point writing anything else down. And. Okay, but for the reference of the future, because she is going to keep saying ejaculated. It's ejected. Whatever. Same difference. So during their conversation, so Kirk is writing his deposition as to exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. And while he's doing this, Jamie, wearing like what can only be described (laughs) as a Sailor Scout uniform (laughs) in metallics. The world's sparkliest Sailor Scout. Okay, but which planet would you say? I think she's kind of like, was it Pluto that had the weird? Mercury. Mercury? No. Out of most of the blue. But what about the silver? What? Silver? What are you talking Didn't about? Didn't one of the Sailor, Sailor Scouts have the silver? Oh. Alright, pause this. Okay, Corinne, which Sailor Scout? Okay, so it's a mixture of Sailor Uranus and Sailor Neptune. But my point still stands. Sure. She looks like a Sailor Scout. Oh, yeah. She comes in and just starts wailing on Kirk. Which, of course, on a matter of course, I, I accept and approve. Mm. Saying, you hated him, you murderer... And I also have a note here saying, her hair. So, okay, so my question was... How old is she? Probably, like, Because the actress looks 30. Yeah. Um, Did we look that up? No. No, we're, we're not just going to. We're going with our gut, which says she's about 35 years old. Yeah. I think she was. I think she was just an older teenager. You could definitely look that up, but... Uh, I don't care. She's 35. Anyway, 35. She's but my next question is... How long has it been since this accident happened? And did she, like, fly in specifically for the trial or I something? I that, too. It's like, did she live on the ship with her dad? No, no she didn't there's live on, no... There's a she had families no. on the ship. Okay. No. I think... I thought that she lived on the Starbase. That's the most logical well, explanation. I, yeah. yeah, but I'm, I'm like, well, that's super convenient that they just happened to be in the vicinity of the Starbase where his family lived. Well, like, actually, given the outcome, that makes a lot of sense. See, I would have guessed... That the families are the people who are on the ship when they know that they're docking for, like, repairs or supplies, which I think all, there's almost a little bit of continuity here in that they were going to Starbase 11 for supplies. Yeah. Um, then oh. they go out to visit them. Well, okay, because I did not get that they were already on the way. I thought this was, like, an emergency situation and this was the closest place they could go for fi- repairs. I feel like in the last episode, and I know this is a stupid thing to say in original series Star Trek, <laughs> but... I think that they did mention that they were going in for supplies to Starbase 11, which is where this takes place. Yeah, like that was already the plan when the ions were Yeah, and my kind of gut feeling was that they kind of flew out to see their families on this effort. Because she didn't bother changing out of her school uniform or just her regular cosplay outfit. Well, because then my question was, because she does make reference to her mother, like she lives yeah. with her mother. Where's the yes. mother? Why don't they have her as well? I they thought she was on the Starbase. Yeah, I assumed she was there too. But she, yeah, but see, this is the problem I was having is like, if she was there, why wouldn't she also come to the trial? And like, yeah, maybe they don't want to pay another actress, but they could have a silent extra. See, like, that was why I that initially was, thought, that's why was I was she like, on the ship? Was she but, at the trial? Yeah. yeah, she was at the trial. She was sitting with Kirk and Spock, or Spock and McCoy. 
feels like a mistake to let her there. I think they didn't really think this through. No, of course they didn't. That's the joy of original Star Trek. So she starts wailing on Kirk, saying, you killed him, you killed him, you hated him, and you murdered him. Yeah. And at this point, again, I make the point that if this is the office of someone important or the bridge of a ship, you should probably have more security so not just anyone can come running in and start pounding on someone's chest. I wonder if they lived on the Starbase in that case. That was what I said. Yeah, but like, if 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 she's always on the Starbase, like, this would support that. If she lives in the Starbase, she would be, if her dad's a Starfleet officer, she'd be familiar with most of the officers on the base. Mm-hmm. So maybe... What's his name? He's a Commodore Stone? Commodore Stone. Is used to her sort of wandering into his office because otherwise, yeah, they really need better security. It is a place of business. A mm. business place. Yeah. Children in Sailor Scout uniform should not be allowed to wander all around. Anyway, she has her fit and she's escorted out again. Yes. Um, her name is Jamie, by the way. Yes. Uh, she's named after James Kirk because... There is no way that she is, like, 11 years old. No. no. But she's, um, yeah, because the Kirk and yeah. What's-His-Face dead guy were friends and at the Academy. Finney, they yeah. were... I don't know if they were friends at the Academy. Finney was a teacher. While Kirk was there. While Kirk was a student. And then they served together for a while. Yes. On a ship. Well, yes. they were both ensigns, I thought. They were ensigns. No, Finney was, like, a lieutenant or something. He was a superior officer. Ah. Ooh, that seems even worse. Yep, yeah, it is. So, um, Jamie is escorted out again while still having her fit. And um, Commodore Stone, that's his name. I don't remember his first name. We get it again at the trial. Joe. Sure. Um, he's like, okay, so there's a problem, though, with your report. No, Spock beams down, gives him a block of wood, which apparently contains computer footage. Sure. Um, yeah, because this whole time they were waiting for, they were going through Kirk's report and they were waiting for Spock to come in with the computer extract, which is the records taken from the ship's computer of what happened. Which apparently is what is filming the Enterprise crew throughout the entire time with really intense camera angles. Yes, apparently now they really do have that level of detail (laughs) in their computer records. Yeah, I was like amused that like Starfleet TV was back. Yeah. Um, because what uh, Kirk told and what he put in his report, what happened was that they hit the ion storm, ship was taking damage, he sent Finney down to the pod, to the, the ion pod, whatever the hell that is, to do some kind of emergency thing. I mentioned that the ion pod is kind of like a pimple on the side of the ship yeah. that's just very sensitive to outside things. Sure. Well, why not? And that's the other thing is though, him sending somebody to the pod or whatever didn't feel like this was an emergency situation. It felt routine. Yes. Well, it sounds like kind of like um, like a storm buoy sort of thing. Like you need to take specific. Re- I don't know space science. Who the hell knows? Good but, enough. Space pimple. But basically, they went to yellow alert. Things got worse. They went to red alert, and then Kirk had to jettison the ion pod to for, for whatever reason to save the ship, and there was no yes. other choice. He had to burst the pimple in order to save oh, the face, supposedly killing Finn, and. They get the Spoiler computer. alert, Ari! Whatever. Well, no, they, they said at the very beginning that Finney is dead. So, Stone looks at the computer records that Spock's brought down and he says, uh, there's a problem. Computer says you're a fucking liar. <laughs> court marshal! Court! Court marshal! Yeah. Um, Kirk gets real pissed about this. I actually really enjoyed this bit because he doesn't, I mean, he gets angry, but he doesn't exactly, like, he doesn't yell or anything. He, uh, Stone goes through, ooh, I don't think this doesn't happen yet. It happens no, this happens no. after. First, it's, we have to go to the space oh, bar. Oh, yes, the space bar! Yeah, it's funny. 
And some of the critiques that I saw of this episode are essentially that at no point does Kirk doubt what he did, and there is no doubt that Kirk did exactly what he said he did. And I don't have a problem with that, because no. I honestly can't see Kirk murdering someone. Out of peak. But out of a fit of peak that's been simmering for 15 years. No, no, no I can't see Kirk doing that, but it, at no point does it ever Kirk's cross mind cross his mind, did I make a mistake? Is it possible that I missed something or I'm not remembering correctly? His his only attitude he has to the entire thing is, I am infallible. I don't think it's that at all. It's, this is what I remember. It is. But I think that if I were the coroner investigating this particular accident, which I didn't dream that I was, <laughs> that is my dream job, space coroner, is that I would definitely take to task the people who designed the chair, <laughs> the captain's chair, where there are a three buttons. Why does he even There is one button? button that says yellow alert. There is one button that says a red alert. And right near that button <laughs> underneath is jettison that fucking space <laughs> this is one and more. send someone to their death. This is one more of those incredibly contrived things that's like, it makes no sense for A, the captain, to even have that button. Why isn't that something in engineering? Why would that be so close to your red alert And button? B, why is it so close to your red alert button? Also, if you're watching... Kirk is not looking at what button he is pressing. He's just in his chair and he's just like, okay, yellow alert. Poke. <laughs> Hope we got the right one, guys. To be fair, he has three buttons. <laughs> one for yellow alert. One for <laughs> There's and not one that much room for Or send my enemies to their death. Yeah. Like, why would any of those be close together? Why I don't wouldn't understand you, why, why wouldn't you distribute them a little more equally? So on my left, I have yellow alert. And when the shit gets real, on my right, I have my red alert button. Why do I have the button that says jettison the space pod? Well, it makes no sense because in earlier episodes, he he sets the ship's alert status by saying, Yeah, no. Set, call, set a red alert. And the captain's chair essentially doesn't control anything. Even no. the space guns, which you think no. you want to give to the captain because he's the one who's going to go pew yeah. pew, is given to someone else. Yeah, it's absurd to for us to actually believe that he would have that button in the first place. It is. Also, nothing on the Enterprise is labeled. <laughs> Yeah, nothing. No. And this brings me to another side-side note, mm. which we're getting a lot of in these, um, is there is a collection of essays called Luke, Sp- Luke Skywalker Can't Read. <laughs> and Ari and I had a very long conversation about this last night, so please feel free to get out of this, um, is that most people are functionally illiterate in the future. <laughs> that absolutely does not hold true in Star Trek. No, people are literate in Star Trek, as we see from the books. But then most people, like your average person running your button thing, because they're not labeled, you just have to memorize where everything is. And so that there is a real lack of literacy in future space. Because they don't have to. You can just memorize your But it's only true in original Trek, and it's only true up to the end of the series. The movies are much more text-based and much more digital interface-based. So I still think this is very much a product of the 60s, 70s view on technology and the fact that they had no idea what a digital interface was. Yeah, when we get to, like, Enterprise D and DS9, all the buttons have something written on them. They do have, like, words on them. Yeah. So there's literacy in Picard's time, but perhaps not Kirk's. Well, it's a very particular kind of literacy. It's interface literacy, which... Even with, like, dumb, like, what we used to call dumb terminals is often now applied to, like, touch interfaces on, like, iPhones. It's things that you don't need to be able to, to, you don't have to have an abstract understanding of of anything that you're looking at. You just need to recognize the picture. But even those have text labels on them. And that is because when they were coming up with the ideas of 
what were analog interfaces with all the switchy buttony things. Yes. They, everything was hardwired. A switch did one thing and that was it. So you didn't have, you didn't have to have complicated labeling systems because there was no abstract back end. Everything is physically wired to a physical function. Yes. But, you know, fast forward like even 10 years from the original series and that's no longer true because we had digital interfaces. I mean, they were rudimentary, but they existed. So, you know, I still think that this is just a limitation of the way that the writers at the time understood technology as being something that was more like a car engine than an iPhone. Yes. We had a very long conversation about this, <laughs> which led to me essentially hating Ari until I went to sleep. Um, <laughs> and then I woke up and I was still angry because I think you're wrong. Uh, but they also argued that people in Star Wars are illiterate. I'm not as bothered by the prospect in Star Wars as I am by in Star Trek, because it's demonstrably untrue in Star Trek. In Star Wars, I would buy that, yes, there are people in that universe who are illiterate. Like, there's a lot of backworld crap in that. Like, talking about the new Star Wars that came out, Rey, I would think, is probably, if she can read, it's very, very low-level, rudimentary. Because, like, who the hell was going to teach her to read after, like, she got abandoned on a desert planet when she was five years old? And there's no reason for her to learn how to read because exactly. all of their interfaces are analog. Yes. But in Star Trek, that is not true at all. Korean side-eyeing Ari, so let's I, move on. I still think you're wrong, and I will go to my grave thinking you're wrong. <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay. So, Space well, bar. we're like five minutes into this episode. <laughs> <laughs> we just did the cold open. We've gone through the theme song. And... <laughs> We're 85 minutes into this podcast. Yeah, so Kirk's confined to base, so he gets he goes to the space bar. Yeah, which is, I think, the reused bar from The Trouble with Tribbles. They reused a lot of sets. Like, essentially, this episode was written because they wanted an episode where there was only, like, one set. Was yeah. this filmed out of order? Because we haven't had Trouble with Tribbles yet. I think they reused it for Trouble with Tribbles. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think it was just a general bar set. Yeah. Um, there are lots of amazing colors. <laughs> Um, so Kirk strides in with McCoy, and there's a lot of brooch action going on. Mm-hmm. And he kind of takes a look around, says, our graduating class from the academy is, like, well represented. Well represented. And shunning you. <laughs> um, well, it does a room of very cold shoulders. Yeah. And here we learn that uh, Kirk cannot read a room. Nope. Not at all. So he goes over and tries to have chats with people who are like, oh, yeah, we don't talk to murderers here. It's like, dude, you just kill the guy we liked. Which Although beats me why. <laughs> he doesn't seem like a very likable person. I don't think he would be awfully chummy. But it's, I think that there's a little bit of professional jealousy that really doesn't get developed here, in that this is the graduating class, and he is the only captain. The only captain. The, the only guy with a starship. The youngest captain in Starfleet history. Yeah, time. and I think there is a lot of jealousy about him rising to the ranks maybe yeah. as fast as he did and getting chosen over other more senior officers yeah. um, with more or different experience. Yeah. Um, which leads me to my question for all of you. Do you think Kirk was well-liked at the Academy? By his peers. By his peers. How many of his peers? Um, <laughs> Give me a number, Ari. I think by he was... five plus. I think he was very popular in distance, but most people were really annoyed by him and didn't cultivate close relationships with him but uh, he had a few really close friends i wouldn't say that he was popular at a distance because the two things we know about kirk so far from his time at the academy is he was a loner bookworm and there was a dude who like bullied him which doesn't usually lead you to think like 
Raise your hand if you were a loner bookworm who was bullied in elementary school and how many, did you have a lot of friends? So there are no three people sitting around this table with their hands up. But the, like, the we weren't, I wasn't well liked in school and I was exactly what Kirk was described as. But Kirk was also, is also, and presumably at least to a degree was also really charming. Charm think, can be learned. That's yes. true. That's true. I think that he was well respected by his teachers and his superiors. Yeah. And but, once, I think once people began to pick up on the fact that, oh, like he's going places. Yeah. And they sort of then they started tales. to respect him a little bit more. But here's another potential factor, and I'm not even sure which direction this would go, is that Starfleet is uh, an entire force full of giant keeners. Like that's what gets you. But he is the keenest keener. Oh, he definitely is. Um, but even so, the fact that people immediately jumped to the conclusion that he murdered someone. Yeah. Not that there was a mistake and something happened, but that he murdered him. I thought that was really strange. Like, overblown. Like, what the fuck have people been saying? Because I cannot believe that, that the, the contents of an upcoming court-martial has just been blasted to the entire space station. Well, I mean, somebody dies, you find out how. Like, Finney died. Oh my god, what happened? He was ejected from the ion pod. Kirk ejected the ion pod with Finney still inside of it. Kirk yeah. did what? That's not protocol. How did that happen? I think that's fair. And it might not be that they think that he... He deliberately, out of spite, murdered him, but that through a poor decision. decision. Yeah. Because it comes back a lot of it, and Commodore Stone talks about it because he was also a captain, that you have to be, and my favorite theme, more than your average man, is that you can't afford to make mistakes like that. And I think that people kind of jump on this going, oh, well, we always knew that he wasn't as good as he seemed. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember whether it's um, Lieutenant Shaw slinky music lady who we're going to meet in a second oh, or yeah. if it's stone or if it's both who basically say that it doesn't matter if you did it or not starfleet doesn't tolerate mistakes and we have to slap you down either way that was shaw that was the shaw. lawyer and i think yeah. she's right is that they they hold everyone to such a high and it doesn't standard. even matter if it's an actual mistake just the appearance of a mistake is unacceptable yeah. So, well, I mean, that's basic PR. Yeah. If somebody looks like they fucked up, you do something about it, you do something visible about it. But I feel it. like almost yeah. that has, that also translates to, like, the rank and file. It's like, even if it looks like someone made a mistake, it's not necessarily that they believe that they did it. It's that that message immediately kindles, oh, must be shunned. Because that's the culture at the moment in Starfleet. It's true. I think Starfleet does have a toxic workplace culture. Yeah, <laughs> because if we look at Finney, and worse. we don't know this for truth, is that he made a mistake yeah. Yeah. that could have led to the whole ship exploding. <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty big mistake. It's a big mistake. And he was essentially blackballed for the rest of his life. Yeah. yeah. Or he thinks he thinks that. Yeah. But I we don't, don't think know. So. After, spoiler alert, we meet him. Yeah. Um, yeah. It seems likely that that's just because it was a problem with he his personality. And I mean, it seems like a lot of it was, yeah, exactly. He was, it, it feels like kind of like he was a whiner because we get the circumstances of his, his career. He stayed as a teacher at the academy for longer than he should have. Yes. And then he was trying to move, he was moving up through the rank and yeah. he made a fucking big mistake yeah. and that got him slapped down and disciplined. Like and that's what made him fall behind was because he was already older than most people mm-hmm. and he screwed up. And mm-hmm. he, apparently he's just basically incompetent. He can't even fake his own death right. <laughs> Harsh. But I think it's interesting <laughs> that he has a family and a child. I don't think any of our main characters no. 
do. No. No. So I think there are many factors that led to him being maybe overlooked. Yeah. But he's just blaming everything on other people. And it's not just Kirk. He blames everyone. It's true. He's a giant piss baby. An expression which I love. It just covers like an entire baby made of urine. <laughs> and a like very thin layer of plastic and anything that punctures and then pee everywhere. That's disgusting. <laughs> You're um, welcome. Before, so, wait, before we yes. move on to the entrance of our leading lady for the day, yes. um, the lounge music was so bad and yeah. so amazing. Yeah. It was, it was just like, it was like jazzy space elevator music yeah, yeah. is the only way I could think of to describe it. <laughs> Loved it! Um, and Kirk actually leaves because there's some people sort of low-key trying to start a fight and Kirk's just like, you know what? No. And turns around and leaves. Good for him. Yeah. And Bones stays behind for a second and Because Bones is an alcoholic. Yes. He needs his drinks. Yes. But yes. Bones is the one who first sees Ariel Shaw. Who an is old friend. An old friend. And there's a great line. Because she inter- she walks up to Bones and introduces uh, herself as an old friend of Kirk's. Mm-hmm. And Bones says, all my old friends look like doctors. All his old friends look like you. <laughs> <laughs> that was wonderful. It was yeah. a good line. Again, I would almost speculate that in the Academy, he got along better with women than he did with men. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Because, I mean, we've also seen, like, um, on um, the stupid Shoreleaf planet, when yes. he conjured up his civilian girlfriend from his academy days like he had like he had he had relationships and that kind of stuff but i would think he was probably more popular with civilians and people outside of the military structure people who are going to react to everything about him with macho competition nonsense yeah that's why like in high school nobody at school liked me but i made friends in dance class (laughs) because kirk is also really bad at macho competition nonsense he like the three or four times we've seen i don't know we saw the arena he did good okay at the macho. well yeah but the only reason he succeeded in that was science it wasn't like he's really bad at it like he has no idea how to do it which i think is a credit to him but it's really funny when he encounters people who really want to he is bad at fighting have you seen him often shirt gets ripped off. Yeah. yeah. And we're about to. But if we yeah. think back to the bully from the Shorely planet, um, crazy Irish stereotype number seven. Yeah. You get the feeling that that went on for years. Yeah. yeah. And years. he never did anything about no. it. Yeah. Because he essentially appears to Kirk because Kirk always wanted to punch his face out and he never did. Yeah. So I would go with that Kirk got along really well with women mm-hmm. and because people of... People who weren't in competition with him. Yes, or people who didn't see him as competition. Yeah. And because of sexism and this taking place in the 1960s, we don't see any women in the command rank. Correct me if I'm wrong, but we this is 20 we episodes in. We haven't so far and I don't there remember are. if we do going I don't forward. think we do. Well, we see lady lieutenants, several of them, but... Lieutenants, but we don't see we anyone see, in command. Yeah. We don't no. see a captain or an admiral. Not no. in the, I mean, not that original was, series, I don't think. We do I, in the movies for sure. Jen, we do. Well, in the all. original series movies also, for I mean, sure. This is also part of the reason why we didn't get Majel Barrett as number one yeah. after yeah. the first because original that pilot. Because that was, that was the problem was she was a lady commander. No. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Again, before we move on, we need to stop and talk about the bananas paisley dress that this yes, woman is wearing. I have a yes. note here that oh Kim is going to need to go through this because I cannot do justice to this in words. I could mime it out for you, but that it really doesn't help. Was medium. insane. It was crazy. Uh, so she starts off by she's wearing nice mustard yellow tights. Her dress is cut high enough that we could all give her a pelvic exam in the front. On the one side. No, 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 no. It came up to a nice V in her crotchular area. 
just sort of brushing the bottom of her stomach a little bit lower. Um, and then it had like a, so it was like a two-tiered dress. So it was drapey in the back. She had like flowy sort of caftan-y type sleeves, one of which was pink. Yes. And then the rest of the dress was just green and yellow paisley. Yes. And it was atrocious. <laughs> and I had to stop and like rewind to get a really good body <laughs> shot of her so I could stare at it for 10 minutes going, what the fuck are you wearing? <laughs> I wasn't really bothered by the dress that What? Much. What? It's no better or worse than most of the other oh, crazy Oh! No, no. Kim... If I, if we had to, you know how much I hated that, like, two-faced dress from Shore Leave, which yes. I hated a lot. Yes, I know you did. This climbed up to my number one worst Star Trek outfit. Thank Actually, you. Actually, I was thinking of Princess Crazy Pants from Conscience of the King. No, this no. was still worse. This, this was on par with her, like, caftan pantsuit, I think. Mm. It was really bad. It was bad. And then top it all off with these giant window <laughs> paint <laughs> earrings. They had, like, they were like rectangle with like a kind of iridescent clear sort of stony thing in them yeah and they were just so big they were very big yeah but no the best thing about this dress is that she just looks like you know some random civilian that kirk might have met on a a base or something but when we meet her again are we gonna wait till we meet her again or can i can i spoil because i really like this yeah you go ahead yeah Um, she's lieutenant ariel shaw who works with the jag she's a fucking lawyer Um, and another thing that I really liked about her casting is that the actress was a little bit older than we yes. usually get. We usually get women who are in their mi- mid-20s mm-hmm. to very early 30s. Yeah. I, I, I haven't looked it up, but I feel like she was probably in her late 30s. Yeah. She was maybe even older than Shatner. Um, and I loved that as a piece of casting. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I really She liked looked great. Her entire performance from oh, yeah. start to finish is, I'm a professional who banged you in the past, still would like to bang you in the present, but we're going to have to wait till we wrap up this whole professional business before we get down yeah. to yeah. a business. Loves yeah. her so much. Yeah. yeah. At Every no moment. point is she shown to be incompetent. Nope. Nope. Uh, at no point is she seen to be stupid. Nope. Um, and what is eventually revealed as what happened, which is nonsense, I think everyone in that room is like, oh, well, that was unexpected. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The only time that I had a problem with her behavior was before we know who she is. And I don't even think she was saying it. Well, maybe she was saying it to Kirk where she sits him down and she's like, this is what you're going to need to do to defend yourself. And yeah. this is the lore. And I was like, okay, maybe that wasn't the greatest part, but she didn't really do anything that I think a, another lawyer wouldn't have no, told him. No, there's nothing unethical no. about that. And she's I think saying, it- I can't represent you. Here's somebody who can. I think it was actually not sporting. I think she doesn't believe that he's guilty. No, a but, small oh, yeah. part of her doesn't. But it doesn't matter yeah. what she thinks because she's obligated to to prosecute based on the yes, available evidence. But she gives him a couple of hints. Yes. Yeah. But, but um, anybody in a real trial is entitled to the best representation available. Yeah. So yeah. It, it wasn't with the part with, with her recommending a lawyer or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was with her saying, this is probably, this is going to be how the prosecution is going to go at this. Yeah. That was the only thing I was out. a little bit iffy on. But uh, everything else was completely, she was wonderful. She was great. And again, it's her trial. It's her prosecution. When she first said that, I honestly thought she was going to be like the secretary of the attorney who was prosecuting. Oh, you didn't get immediately as soon as she started talking about it that she was going to be the lawyer? Well, yeah, no, I was instantly. like, oh, well, no. How to say it? I've been conditioned for disappointment. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, so I was like, oh, she's going to be like the secretary or the Actually, stenographer. Do you want to hear the really stupid thing that clued me in apart from the dialogue? Her hair. That it's business hair? It didn't have an incredibly ridiculous elaborate hairstyle with pins and curls. It's a, it's very, it was very pretty. I really liked it, mm-hmm. but it was practical. And also the way that she made eye contact. It's like this actress really did a good job because she was really thinking about what kind of person this woman was. And what kind of job she had and how it would make her relate to people in different situations. Because her manner changes completely when they start talking about the trial. Um, I was pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. Really pleasantly surprised when mm-hmm. it turned out that she was actually a lawyer and that everyone in the room respected her. And then at no point at all during the trial said, but she's merely a woman, your honor. She also gets a slightly longer than regulation skirt. Yes. <laughs> However, she does have an ass slit. She does, but they oh, have those immense curses too for some Yeah, and so I did actually note, because there's this wonderful shot at the end of her walking away from Kirk, and so you do notice that her, her skirt is demonstrably longer than yeah. anybody else's, but there's an ass slit. So. But that's a normal that's event just, sort of thing. Mm, it was a little higher than it should have been, and it didn't really need okay, to be there. Like, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, we get a little bit of background again that we've talked about, that they were on a Republic ship that... Finney, the USS Republic. The USS Republic. He left a circuit thing what, yeah. open. That was like venting the ship with like poisonous gas or something. Yeah. yeah. And so. Finney, Finney did this. Finney, Finney did this. Kirk noticed. Shut it. <laughs> logged it. And so Finney was reprimanded and sent to the bottom of the promotion list. Yeah. yeah. Kirk didn't even like call up the captain and be like, so Finney did the thing. He just. Did it. Yeah, like you have to. Yeah, and it turns out that, you know, they are trying to construe the fact that Kirk did this on purpose. Yeah. Although Finn, uh, Kirk has no reason for revenge. No, he won. No, he, he did win. And we know that Finney was just at the top of the list to go out into the pod. And the argument is, is that the yellow alert was caused when there is pressure and then Kirk says that I called the red alert. I tried to give him as much time as I could, but eventually I had to jettison the pod. And the computer says that's otherwise. not what happened. That you were still a yellow alert. That, and yeah. I think she says this in in the courtroom. The emergency did not yet exist, and I assume yes. that that is some kind of like that there is a chart somewhere. It's like at what level of emergency you were allowed to jettison people into space that we don't like. Yeah. So. Commander's Commodore? Commodore Stone. Commodore Stone is trying to, again, like, if you say you had a mental collapse, he says, not one man in a million could do what we have done and be a captain of a ship. So just say that you had a, a mental collapse and we'll, we'll just... all go away. Yeah. Not that we'll make it go away, but that you could probably Desk walk job. away from this yeah. with a career. Whereas yeah. if we're going to court-martial... You're walking away with nothing. He also says something really interesting. He says, no starship captain has ever been on trial. Which is bullshit. That has has to be bullshit. That a captain? That's what he says. There's only like 11 ships. 11 in Constitution class ships. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, if if that is true, I think it's only because we're really early in the history of the fleet. Or because this is what, because what, the meeting that we're sitting in at this point with the Commodore and Kirk is the preliminary yeah. hearing. It's the inc- They haven't yet called the Maybe nothing is ever supposed to go past the preliminary hearing at this level to, like... It's true. And we don't know whether people have been pressured to essentially just accept that they have done something wrong and walk away. Like, no one has mm-hmm. ever argued against the computer. Yeah. <laughs> I think is what has happened. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, things may have been resolved internally, but no captain has ever stood in front of a court-martial yeah. and tried to argue with the computer. Yeah. Which I, I sort of like, done. you're really just delaying the inevitable, guys. It's going to happen as the fleet grows. No matter what you do, you can't stop this forever. But no, basically they're making more and more dangerous and difficult decisions. And more ships. And, and more putting it all in the hands of the captain. Yeah. It always is. Yeah. And Kirk is going to stand trial several times after this. Yeah. <laughs> um, Kirk is terribly offended. He is. He's like, I. Stone's like, well, if you don't take the out, you're going to have to go before a court martial. And Kirk's like, good, I demand it. And Commodore says, I will not have Starfleet smeared by an evident perjurer. <laughs> snap, snap, snap. I've been told not to snap because the microphone will explode. Snap, snap, <laughs> snap, snap. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so, so they, get- they're bringing, like, the disciplinary weight of Starfleet command down on Kirk. Yeah, because this is when he goes and- off and actually has that com- that conversation with Shaw. Yeah, and they flirt a bit, and it's all flirty flirty. And then she's like, okay, business. No, we need to talk about her drink. <laughs> what was she drinking? Really? Yeah. Okay, not I only- I was looking at her face, crazy. Not me. only did she have an umbrella in it, I think she may have had two- <laughs> Uh, there was giant fruit, like, blobbing out of there. There's also, like, two trees. <laughs> where where you would go in to get the actual drink part was Strong, a mystery to me. So she tries to give him a couple of hints mm-hmm. that the prosecutor's going to come after you saying it's Kirk versus the computer. Yeah. And you can't it's a terrible defense. win against the computer. And... She says, you're not, you're not an ordinary human being. You're a starship captain. And they are going, they want to slap you down and slap you down hard. Yeah. They want you broken out of the service in disgrace. Yeah. And you thought Amazon was a tough workplace. <laughs> <laughs> so she recommends that he sees another attorney, Samuel T. Cogley. Cogley. Thank you for that. And. Oh, boy. Oh, God. <laughs> so. <laughs> Kirk goes into his room, which is now turned into the law offices from Boston Legal. So I really love that Kirk has just heard about this guy, but he's already, like, moved in and made yes. himself at home. He's just like, I'll just live here. I wonder what poor little Ensigns had to carry all those fucking books into that room. <laughs> he has covered the room in books and has essentially set him up in, like, a little book fort, which I think all of us have done. Book fort, sure. Book like, forts are awesome. But in my own room. Yeah. Not, <laughs> not in the stranger's. <laughs> I don't know. I can see you building a book fort in Ari's room. It's more convenient. It is. It's on the same floor as everything that I need, like the kettle. <laughs> and Cogley goes off into another rant blah, about how blah, he blah. T- hates technology. Computers take up space. Books are important. Essentially going over all the bullet points of the ebook versus books debate. <laughs> to understand the intent of the men who made the law, you must see the book. Surely the words are more important. Uh, there is such nonsense, you know. It's a lot of Luddite nonsense. And I like Luddite nonsense. Up with Luddite nonsense. Uh-huh. It's a fine bit of Luddite nonsense. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, but the important thing is, is that we finally get our court with our tiny bell. Mm-hmm. There were no flags at this court, Marshal. There were no flags. I was very disappointed. I expected flags, damn it. We got, we got flags at the fake court, Marshal, we went to a couple of episodes ago. They must have spent their flag budget on the Squire of Gothos. <laughs> <laughs> so we have uh, Lindstrom, Chandra, and at this point my handwriting 
I didn't write the dissolves down. into Ragnowski. No, they have nothing to say. So it's not really important. But they do look very imposing. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's the bench of admirals. Yes. And at this point, underneath their names, uh, also Commodore Stone is there. I have, in all caps, with five exclamation points, amazing brooches. <laughs> They all have the sunburst design on them? No, they each have their the own, little, like, the little bedazzled ribbons. Oh, interesting. Um, I think it has to do with, like, their military honors, because Kirk also has his shirt They're bedazzled. They're all slightly different. Yeah. Um, little multicolored triangles. Yeah, there's lots of blingy bling on their breasts. <laughs> their mad breasts. And at this point, we change into the legal drama part of this episode, which mm-hmm. I love. Is that Kirk is up on trial for culpable negligence. They bring up Spock to the stand and go over all the amazing things that he's done. And you wonder why this episode ran over time. Yeah. I want to note here that the script the computer reads from while it's like giving their rank and their current assignment. You mean the wooden block that it's reading from? Whatever. It's, it's word for word, except for the actual contents, the same as the script they give in the Witch Hunt episode of TNG. So, like, when they read out, like, when they put their hand on the little circle thing, which I think they also have the weird little circle thing in the courtroom episode of TNG, the weird little glowing circle they put their hand on, um, and the computer reads out, like, who they are and and their serial number. But the format is exactly the same Mm. as later episodes that take place in a a Starfleet court, Mm. which I really thought was cool. Also, the cushions on the witness chair are the sparkly biohazard material. Are they? I yeah. didn't even know The sparkly orange biohazard yeah. suit material. At this point, I thought it was a really beautiful moment of Spock Kirk that I would definitely include in my slash fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Where Spock is essentially saying that, yes, we have seen what the computer says, but it is impossible because I know the captain. I yeah. know Jim and what you're saying cannot happen. Could not have happened. Um, Vulcans do not speculate. This is pure logic. Because I know him, I know the way he works. People work in a certain way. He could have never done this. And so the lawyer is like, well, how do you know that? You didn't see what happened. He's like, if you drop a hammer, I do not need to look at it to know that it falls. Snap, 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 snap. Yeah. Um, also, this is the point at which I started writing, couldn't they just fucking ask somebody what happened? But I think this is why they had to create this ridiculous contrivance of the physical button on the arm of his chair, because otherwise there's no way that anybody could be fooled by the computer being screwed up. It had to be something physical that no one but Kirk could see, which is insane, because otherwise they could have just asked someone, well, what did he say? Did he say yellow alert or did he say red alert? So whatever, writer's okay. Fine. Uh, we come up with the ensign who is also the personnel officer. Yeah, she's a personnel the officer. The scheduler. Yeah. Who... This was who I thought I was freaking out. I was like, it's a Starfleet HR person! <laughs> Just the Enterprises, I think. Just the Enterprise and all she does is schedule. Oh, well, and she does do HR because she can go into all their files and yeah. she talks about the disciplinary action that yeah, happened Yeah, they were like, you know all their service records. She's like, yes. Yeah. Um, and so she confirms what happened in the past, but the and she has amazing hair. An amazing eyeliner. Oh, so good. And the part that I liked most about her testimony is that as she, like, hops off the stand and walks away, she mouths, I'm sorry to Kirk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I like. 
choked. <laughs> um, then they bring up McCoy, who apparently has the Legion of Honor. Okay. Yeah. Well, sure. Whatever. But no, the, the important part about this is that they read off all of his qualifications and suddenly he has a psych background. He has a space psychology <laughs> background. Except in a previous episode, they had to send, this was, um, Dr. The, Noel. Dr. Noel. Yeah. It's like he had to assign someone else because he was not an authority in space psychology. So, mm. I assumed that he devoured her and took on her specialty. <laughs> Oh, see, this is the thing that drives me nuts about this. This is the episodic continuity where you can just make up whatever you want to fit the circumstances of the episode. There's no firm rules for anything, and that drives me bananas. Yeah, it is very frustrating. There's no show Bible going through it. No. Um, And it is frustrating because as we've been going through this, I mean, we're 20 episodes in, we could probably populate a very long paper Mm -hmm. list of things that have directly contradicted each other yeah. from episode to episode. Yeah. And I get that they had a number of people working on scripts and these people were working so independently from each other, so everything jumps around, but I gum. Television is better these days. Um, but yes. The question she asks him, and I think this is stupid because it's all speculation. Oh, it's this... the kind of thing that the, the opposing counsel should really be objecting to. Yeah, this drove me nuts. Because it's it leading the all... witness, it's speculation. She didn't actually ask him any questions about what happened. She was just like, do you think this could happen maybe? What about this? It was not good. Anything is possible. So they're asking essentially that what happened to Finney? Did he blame Kirk? Yes. yes. Uh, do you think Kirk could have hated him because he, he hated, hated him? him? See, and both is seems equally baffled by this line of questioning because he's sort of like, I don't under, I, I, I guess there so. There are a number of people that I have hated that I'm pretty sure are ambivalent to not aware of my existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are people that I don't that I don't like who have no idea that I don't like them because I don't walk up and scream I hate you in their faces because I'm an adult and capable of functioning in society. Which is, I think, what we're supposed to assume that. Kirk and Finney are yeah. rational yeah. professional adults who could put an incident in the past behind them, although that does turn out to be false. Yeah. Um, everyone agrees that Kirk is a BAMF and his record is impeccable <laughs> that goes on and on and on and on. Oh my Kirk god. Kirk is on the stand at this point. Well, when they went through all the accommodations for Spock and McCoy, I was like, did they just run, like, were they short? Do they need to fill up time? And it was to make Kirk's list seem longer. Yeah. I can see why everyone hates him. Oh, he's <laughs> such a too goody two-shoe overachiever. Yeah, because his, his list is so long. That Lieutenant Shaw is like, could we, we get it, he's awesome, could we, like, append this? Yes. And, uh, Cogley is like, I, I wouldn't want to hold up proceedings, but I also wouldn't want my client to be, like, shorted his, uh, reading of honors. And then he lets it go on for maybe two more seconds before he's like, okay, that's enough, I don't want to hold things up too much, because he's an asshole. Because Kirk is the greatest, and mm-hmm. so they kind of go over what happened did you panic? Did you prematurely ejaculate? Um, and Kirk says, the steps that I took and the order that I took them were right to save the ship. I love my ship, my ship, my ship, my ship. Nothing, Nothing is, is more important than my ship. Yeah. Mm. Also, Kirk is like having like a face off with the Admiral through this whole thing. Yes. They keep flight, like the way it's cut is like the two of them are just like staring each other down. Mm-hmm. And I think it is because at this point, Kirk represents something wrong with Starfleet mm-hmm. in a, a heretic. 
Well, he's in he's a he's in a position that you could have no error. That, yeah. that should be drilled out of you. You should be the perfect Which paragon of man. It is insane. No wonder more captains don't have mental breakdowns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so the next witness to take the stand is the computer. <sighs> Can I just say, fucking finally we get to see what the computer saw? Like, how far are we into this episode and we're just now getting around to it? Yeah, it was, it was up to this point, I was still like, why couldn't they just fucking ask someone? And then we find out that, no, they have a video of him pressing the stupid, ridiculous button. When we get into this, I'm curious, like, how did Finny get footage, I guess we have to call it, and then edit it together of Kirk pressing the wrong buttons in the okay, wrong Okay, I'm going to try and keep this super brief. That's not how CG works, and computers can't do that to video even now. What do you... No, I'm t- talking about, like... Like, he could go in and, like, yeah, like from video edit, get out his, like, yeah. Windows Movie Maker and yeah. splice the video around. Well, but, like, the thing that got me is that when you see Kirk pushing the ejaculate button... Yes. So red alert still isn't lit up, which, if he were splicing and rearranging things, wouldn't it That's the thing. Lit? That's what I mean. It's, like, it's impossible for the computer to have, what, misrecorded this... No. That's, it's ridiculous. It's impossible. So My he would basically have theory to. theory is that he edited it in. Yeah, he would have to be, he would either have to edit it in, which Spock's investigation should have found, or he would have to completely computer generate the entire sequence. So, I don't know. For, Whatever. For a records officer, that seems a bit out of his wheelhouse, I know. frankly. That is to, one of the problems I have with this. Although, to be fair, this is the official record. This is presumably his job. We don't know what the records are. <laughs> Apparently he has amazing CG and video editing skills yeah. to we, the point where he can create video out of the air. I, my assumption was that this had been cobbled from previous space pimple <laughs> issues, situations, <laughs> and then, and then edited out of order to make it seem yeah, like that's what That happened. is the only way that it could really have happened, especially given this 1960s technology that they would have been using as a basis for this. It's such like a slow burn revenge. Yeah. <laughs> like you would really have to wait a long time. For exactly time. the right moment. It's just like, been planning it's so time. freaking elaborate. Yeah. I'm just like... Dude, get a hobby. Yeah. Well, his hobby is <laughs> editing and, re- and also some yeah. therapy. Rearranging videos. But my question is why, when Spock did his exhaustive check of the computer record, he didn't turn this up. Unless well, maybe the weird, incomprehensible thing he finds later somehow covered it up. He must have done something very strange. Because either he convinced the computer that that's what happened by telling it sweet nothings, then to go in and change it, its its mind or he just planted a false video in there yeah that's pretty much what he none of which would affect its chess game no this makes no sense the only thing that makes any well we'll get to it when we we get to Spock's I don't really understand his explanation completely but he be telling the computer that one thing happened rather than the other because when at at, near the beginning of the episode he's not looking at the video in stone when he gets the record from Spock he's reading a transcript so there are two things that would have had to have been changed. One is the the point for point like sequence of events, like supposedly a text sort of thing that he's reading in the office, the transcript of what the computer had on its record. And the other is the video that they show in the courtroom. The first would be relatively easy to change. The second, 
the way this book explains it makes no sense. Because you can't just tell a computer that a thing happens and then it just generates the video. Because if that were true, you couldn't ever trust the computer records. Well, Ari, you cannot trust computers. <laughs> Which is what the theme of this episode is. Yeah. So Kirk is shocked. Wait, hang on a second, though. There yes, was one yeah. thing that I thought was important when you're considering sort of the overall situation and how, you know, Kirk's motivation, blah, blah, blah. Spock picks Finney for the for the duty spot because Kirk says who's the top of the duty roster and it's yeah. Spock who says it's Finney and Kirk says great send him so I mean if Kirk's asking that means maybe he doesn't know. like yeah. I mean you could you could do subjective and stuff but I thought that was supposed to be like an important bit in that it wasn't yeah. Kirk didn't like say, say like send Finney he asked who's next yeah there's essentially kind of two lines of the prosecution could be taking either that it was an error that he made down. that he made a mistake or that I think Commodore Stone believes he did it on purpose is that he maliciously murdered yeah Finney yeah but there's nothing to support the second well thing. it would have been better if Finney had like killed Spock's wife no <laughs> or killed Kirk's wife like that there was some yeah. motivation for Kirk to hate Finney yeah because why would you there's no there's, there's absolutely no. nothing Kirk and, has and a most. history with him yeah but, but nothing Kirk's side is positive Exactly. Kirk's like, oh, he Make named a kid after no me sense. and she became a 35-year-old sailor scout. Like, there's no there's no animosity left. No. There's only animosity coming from one side. And the only thing the prosecution brings up is that, oh, couldn't it be that if someone hated you so hard, you would eventually hate them? Which makes no, no sense. No. Um, <laughs> I kind of, the only, the only issue that I will bring up with this episode is that, yeah, there should have been a reason that Kirk hated Finney. Yeah. Yes, not just what they, what they tried to do with McCoy, which was bullshit, was like, yeah. don't you think Kirk could have hated Finney because Finney hated him? That was bullshit. That's that the was the only bullshit. motivation it's, they gave. It's bullshit yeah. right up there with the computer, the button existing in the first place. How much better would it have been if Finney, if Finney's wife had been dating Kirk and then Finney stole her away and then they named their child after James was like the final. Just to really uh, twist the knife. Yeah. And then Kirk like silently sees because he's alone and he has no love. And, and he's then alone. he got a mistake. Exactly. That would have been more yeah. interesting. That yeah. could have been like, yeah, I mean, just something little And like then that. they were going back to the Starbase to visit his happy family. And he has a wife and a child waiting for her. And Kirk has nothing. And he snapped and murdered Finney. Right? See, that would have made a lot more sense. Right? I, if I had been the persecution. <laughs> I enjoy when we write rewrite these episodes <laughs> to be better. I still I, would have objected to the existence of the button, though. Obviously, yes. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. But maybe that Kirk had been down, like looking over the pod, and there had been some kind of mechanical malfunction that happened afterwards that yeah. seemed highly suspicious. That it looked like it had been tampered with. See, there's an episode of television. Yeah. Call us CBS. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, what you were saying though is that when. Kirk sees himself on the video push the jettison button when it doesn't yes. say red alert. He's visibly startled. He's like shocked. the thing, it, like they've been told for this entire episode, the video, like the computer says that's not what happened. And when he sees what happens, he's like, "Holy shit! Everyone was right. The computer doesn't agree with me." It's like he yeah. still expected the computer to agree with him. Yeah, and Cogley kind of sees that, and they're all like, he's like, you had a lapse, we can get you out of this, you just have to admit that you made an error, and Kirk's like, no, like, I've spent my whole life training for moments exactly like this, and in fact, this is by no means the worst situation they found themselves in, and he has a tiny moment of 
And then he goes, fuck no, I'm James T. Kirk. <laughs> and immediately knows that he's the, been screwed over. The other yeah. thing about this that bugs me, about, not just about the button, but... And the button that, should bother Is that you. if you're looking at this thing, and you're, you're looking at Kirk's record and Kirk's personality, because one hopes that Starfleet captains do a lot of psych profiling, mm-hmm. um, and the testimony of everyone who knows Kirk, and yes, even the computer record, but the most likely explanation for all of this, Kirk says this, all of his friends say this, his record says this, the computer says this. Huh. Isn't it more likely, not that the computer record is wrong, but there is some kind of wiring error? No, I would I would look at that and say that he made... Because the buttons are so close together. <laughs> but no, I mean like someone swapped the wiring to the buttons. Like, if mm-hmm. if I had seen something like that on a video or whatever, I, like, and I knew how the buttons were arranged, my first thought would have been, Kirk pushed the wrong button. That it was exactly. an accident. Exactly. That yeah, it was a it was terrible accident. accident. Yeah. And, and maybe then as a coroner, I would go in and say, you should move that button. button. Yeah. yeah. Also, like, this is my recommendation. We're going to rewire that chair. Yes, yeah. exactly. So I, I get what um, Cogley is trying to get him to say. And at this, and Kirk's like, well, I guess this means you might, your next captain might be able to beat you at chess. Kirk says to Spock and Spock goes, chess. And the watchers go, what? <laughs> At this point, Jamie, Spinley's daughter, comes in and has had a personality reprogramming one flew over the Christmas nest lobotomy. She's just like, yeah, she's just completely the opposite of the last time we saw her. Yeah. That's what makes me think it's not very long at the beginning since it happened. There is a cut scene from this where Jamie has apparently read letters yeah, from she her talks about father. It. Yeah, where her father was like, "I hate James C. Kirk." She's like, "Ooh, my dad was nuts." Well, yeah, because like she said, she was rereading the letters that her father sent to her and her mother, and she thinks that um, he and Kirk were closer than she thought they were. And yeah, yeah, because you definitely name kids after casual acquaintances. Yeah. Also, another point about this meeting with the lawyer. For a little while, Kirk stands with his hands on his hips in the single most bizarre fashion I've ever seen. He's got, like, his wrists against his hips, and but they're really high up on his body, and he looks so weird. I think it's probably because of the Spanx he's wearing. <laughs> <laughs> and Jamie tries to, she says to the lawyer, make him take the ground assignment. Like, don't let them take him out. Yeah. Uh, and McCoy, at this point, says, they're going to lop off your professional head. Yeah. <laughs> and at this point, we go back to the ship where Spock is playing chess. And, and Bone, McCoy is like, what are you doing? Bone just basically walks in and goes, okay, you're a dick. Cold-blooded yep. monster. Yes. Thank you, says Spock. Because that <laughs> that's the cheap joke that they cannot help themselves yeah. doing. And... So Spock programmed the computer to play chess with him because he's a lonely bookish nerd. <laughs> and what's happening is, is that Spock is beating the computer. Which shouldn't be possible. Which should not be possible. At least not the number of times that he's done it. Yeah. So something is obviously wrong with the computer. That apparently his initial check didn't catch. The thing that gets me here is that it's, no, no, it's not your chess program that's yeah, broken. It's, it's the, the entire, entire computer. computer. Yes, because the thing is, the implication when he's talking, because he's talking about how he programmed the computer to play chess, that suggests to me that this is not like an isolated application that he designed to play no. chess with him. <laughs> he went into the computer's actual brain. And taught it how to play chess. He reprogrammed the central computer to play chess with him. I just want to note here. (laughs) 
Pro tip. Arnie's really upset right now. No, that is really, really bad application policy because shit like this happens. No, I think the larger issue is, is that the computer is trying to frame Kirk. <laughs> yeah. Because somebody gave it a lobotomy, basically. And that people are able to go in and implant false memories into a computer yeah. that messes up the chess program. Yeah. Does that also affect life support? <laughs> Another important question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why it's such a danger. It's like, I'm sorry, who gave Spock permission to, to go into the computer's central, like the kernel of anyone, the Enterprise computer? Anyone just could go into the computer yeah. and just kind of tinker around. Yeah. Who told you you could go in there and fucking play games with the thing that keeps us oh, all alive? Boy. So back to the trial where uh, Ariel has gotten a very obvious new dye job. <laughs> She's now a strawberry blonde. (laughs) And essentially she rests her case going, well, who's going to fucking argue with that? And Coughlin goes, and no one. (laughs) But at the very last moment, Spock and McCoy burst in and whisper to the lawyer and Kirk and Cogley goes up and gives what can only be described as no... Uh, no good law and order speech. Yeah, basically. Was Sam McCoy was the lawyer in law? I've never actually order? seen a single episode yeah. of Law and Order. He speechifies oh, for a real long time. Shit, Kim, I are you kidding? Yeah, it's been on for a long time on a lot of franchises. I don't think I've ever watched an episode. I don't like procedurals. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> close your mouth. You're getting flies. You've talks. never no cause. <laughs> You've never seen an episode. I don't think so. Of Law and Order. I don't think so. Not like the classic Law and Order with Lumiere from Beauty and the Beast or Sam McCoy Lumiere, from The Killing Fields. Lumiere is a cartoon. I, <laughs> that I am aware of. I'm talking about, you know, the voice actor? No. Uh, Scraggleface McGee I don't know from Murder, Murder, She Wrote? He's the, the glummingly plea. I know who you mean. I don't know his name. He looks like a... Okay, pause. Anyway, I have a point about this uh, law scene. For Crean, I'll give you a moment to recover. Um, but when Kirk, or sorry, Spock and Bones burst into the courtroom and go over to the lawyer and talk to him, and he's like, I want to unrest my case. Um, Ariel stands up and starts screaming about, he's well known for his theatrics. And I'm like, he's done nothing in this trial. Literally nothing. Where, like, how, what he's theatrics. a bad lawyer. He's he, a he, terrible lawyer. He didn't cross-examine a single person. No. Nope. He did nothing. And she's like, that, this was the other bit that didn't really work for me, is she's like, he's well known for his theatrics. And I'm like, the no. Perfect Silence? Yeah. I, I did nothing. I think if, if you had seen Law and Order, <laughs> frankly, um, you would know what the, thea- the end of like the court battle theatrics are, which is a classic Sam McCoy speech, which is both stirring and heartwarming. This and was neither of like America. I've seen, um, is it, what's the one with, um, the other one, the law one with Shatner and, um, what's Boston his face? Legal. Yeah, I've seen lots of Boston legal. Like and what's his face makes lots of impassioned speeches. It's n- not like that. Oh. Um, yeah. I'd argue that this episode is a lot like that, where he gives a speech about... It's a really long goddamn speech. He just starts mentioning things. The Magna Carta, the statutes of Alva Three, the colonial Martians. Etc, etc. It, and at this like, point, okay. I wrote in all caps, just produce the evidence. <laughs> well, no, no, the part that he ends with was the which that got me is he appealed to the court in the name of humanity, <sighs> fading in the shadow of the machine. <laughs> which <Jeez>. definitely, <laughs> I thought, really spoke to Kim. <laughs> And is that, part of that is that a man has to face their accuser 
And the computer was his accuser, the, apparently. And if we don't do that, then we're brought down to the level of the machine, or we elevate the machine. This based on the fact that Spock won five, like, chess games. Yeah. 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 Is that the computer is crazy. Um, this is a terrible speech, and apparently the actor who played Sam Cogley, so Elijah Cook Jr., had a hell of a hard time remembering his roles, or uh, his lines. He could not get through this speech. Wow. So poorly that they essentially had to cobble together what they could get. Oh, wow. And edit it into something semi-coherent. Was it just that bad or was he drunk? If I wanted to speculate wildly, <laughs> and let me definitely preface that for legal reasons, I'm just going to say he was drunk off his gourd. Okay. Also, it's a stupid speech. It's a very bad speech. Law term. Law term. Law term. Document, Machines? document, document. Evil machine. Well, I love that they had to throw in there as well the American Constitution. Well, they said the Magna Carta first. In fairness. Uh, yeah, but uh, fine. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. It, it just goes on and on and on. But the, the the upshot is that they're like, okay, we have to reconvene on the Enterprise. Which, after listening to that, I'd be like, oh no, <laughs> no, we do not. Yeah. Uh, Magna Carta aside, we go no. nowhere. So but they do. They. Everyone goes up to the ship. They put everyone off the ship, except for the people well, who are part of the trial. No, 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 no. They, there's one point here where the, somebody asks, oh, yeah. who on the ship could have, if it were changed, who on the ship had the skills to change or the, the files or the access or whatever. To adjust the record. And Kirk, Spock, and the dead guy. <laughs> yeah. Seems hmm. legit. <laughs> Not like Scotty, which... You know. Well, Scottish shouldn't be able to tinker around. No one should! <laughs> Zero people! You would argue that the record's officer, but why would you be erasing anything from the official record? Like, that's This isn't the just the record, though. This is, he actually messed with, like, the computer's logic engine. This isn't just, like, he went in and fucked with the record. He went in and gave the computer a tiny lobotomy to make it stupider and more open to suggestion and less able to solve. We don't know that solve. that did. Well, that's what the chess test, I think, is meant to be. Is It's not as good at solving problems as it's supposed to be. But it just shouldn't be solving problems. It's a simple, like, recording this thing and then recording what button was pushed when. Well, yes, except the way that they, na- they, they, they sort of set this up. Makes no sense in terms of real computers, but the way that they explain it, this is the only thing that makes sense. Because Spock explains that the way that he programmed the computer and its ability to play chess, this is what should be happening, and this is what is happening. And the way he makes it sound is that basically they've made whoever did this has, whoever did this, has made the computer. (laughs) It's one of three people, Ari. It's either Kirk trying to frame himself. It's either Spock taking a very circuitous route to being the captain, or (laughs) the dead guy, deep quotations, who hates Kirk and wants him dead. Actually, for a minute at the beginning of the episode, when they're like waiting around for Spock to bring the records down, I'm like, has he committed a mutiny again? (laughs) Because they're on a starbase, he's still on the ship. That's true. The way that he explains it makes it sound like basically someone has messed with the computer to make it easier to sway and not as good at solving problems. Which doesn't doesn't really, it doesn't make any sense, but that is the way they seem to be presenting it. And no one should be able to do that. No one should have access to do that. Okay, but this is where the narrative takes a very sharp right turn. (laughs) And the lawyer stands up and he's like, I propose that Finney isn't dead. And to quote Kareen, my reaction here was, what? At this point, I tried to think of, like, the best pun for what's about to come up, and I went with the telltale heart. Ooh, pretty good. 
Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. So everyone goes on a field trip. They kick the entire crew, 400 and something people. 402. Yeah. Because <laughs> the third the person should be dead. Yeah. yeah. So they leave some guy steering the ship. Everyone else can go home. Yeah. But Ahura stays. Ahura stays. Our court crew stays. Yep. And that's it. Seems and like one guy in the transporter room. Yeah. 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 So they kick everyone off the ship, apparently evacuating 400 and... Hold on. people. Apparently evacuating 398 people takes you under two minutes flat. <laughs> Line them up and shove them through the transporter. Apparently. Or yeah. just out into space. They also turn everything off. <laughs> So, including the engines. Oh, which means that orbit starts decaying. Yeah. So, on top of everything that else is going on, it's like, we're going to crash. Let's yeah. do this Someone fast. does ask them that. They're like, we're just, we're hoping we'll be done before that happens. Oh, like, this shouldn't take too long. Yeah. It's like, sometimes when you're driving and there's something in the back seat, and you're like, ooh, should I chance it? Take my hands off the steering wheel, <laughs> turn around and rummage around in my back seat and try to find that? <laughs> Or, or, since I'm steering such a delicate instrument that could lead to my death instantaneously, should I maybe just, like, pull over? Yeah. And in this case... They choose to rummage in the back seat. They choose to undo their seatbelt. Turn around. Turn around. Jump into the back seat. Undo the latch between, like, if they've got one of those pull-down seats like I do. Pull down the seats and jump into the trunk to go get some. So while As the car is going 120 down the highway. <laughs> so yeah, everyone's off the ship. The ship is turned off and about to crash into this planet, which is full of 396 <laughs> people of the Enterprise, plus everyone else on the Starbase. Yeah. And what they're doing is they are using the auditory sensor so that every sound on the ship is amplified. And they're listening to the heartbeat. And they have a little <laughs> microphone. This was like the worst prop they've had yet. You're it's right. legitimately yeah. just it's a, a microphone. microphone. Yes, it is a microphone. And they when they bring it to your chest and they turn, they do the little click, click. on and off button, then your heart. It's a. I believe they called it a white noise generator. They didn't sure, even try and like sci-fi the prop. It no, is no. It's just a, a microphone. Yeah. Like they went into the sound booth next door and grabbed a microphone. Yep. it was amazing. Oh, it's it's because, but it. You know what? As a cinematic piece, fucking worked. Oh, yeah, <laughs> because did. everyone's hearts going boom, 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 and McCoy goes over and is like. And then there's less. Yeah. It worked. Totally worked. And then finally they go to the last click. And then there's just. Yeah. It's coming from outside the bridge. (laughs) (laughs) And so the only logical explanation there is, is that Finney is still alive. And hiding on the ship. And has pulled a hell of a Tom Sawyer. And then. For no reason, there's a voiceover. This is one of those things that didn't get cut out all the way. No. Um, And he's hiding in engineering. Yeah. And the voiceover, though, is that the daughter is coming on board? Why? This was apparently cut for time. There is a scene where Jamie is up on the ship because they thought that he would come a little bit quieter if he knew his daughter's life was in danger. 
They were gonna I pretend. Feel, no, I feel like was, they should have kept that for time. They were gonna pretend, threaten her to get him no, to surrender. I think it, he, no. The way the way he talks about it is just that he'll come along more quietly if Jenny yes. is there. Yeah, uh, like okay. the idea is sort of like when they call people holding a bank hostage. It's like, so your six year old's here. She wants you to come home for dinner, but you're not coming home for dinner. You're going to jail. Oh, you're yeah. going to jail for sure. Yeah. So, oh uh, yeah, strange voiceover. Now, if I was going to go confront someone who had elaborately faked their death and then gone on and changed the logic processors of a computer in order to frame me so that I would be drummed out of the service <laughs> slash have my head chopped off, I would bring a posse. <laughs> yeah! No. Why? Does, why? Go in God's alone. name, no. does he need to go alone? I would bring my Titus crew. <laughs> like, yeah. bring Spock and, like, Admiral St- or Commodore Stone to witness everything. But no, Kirk's like... I got this. I don't even think he uh, got it. He's just like, oh, I, I have to go. But I would I would bring a crew. Yeah, for and sure. And so then the weird disembodied voice comes over and does its own voiceover. As he's standing in engineering calling out for this guy. His name's Ben? Ben Finney. Ben Finney. He's calling Ben's name. And he gets, yeah, creepy voiceover, which is obviously being amplified artificially. Yes, you robbed me of my command, says Ben. I watched you for years. I conspired to ruin you. Crazy monologuing. It is a crazy monologue. And again, this is a crazy, complicated plan. It is. And then he jumps out at him with a phaser. Of course he does. Uh, he has really intense cheekbones and crazy eyes. And he just steps up behind Kirk with the phaser because Kirk apparently has no situational awareness. He really doesn't. If we were going to put him on trial for something, it was that he is not very aware of his physical surroundings. Yeah. Well, and then to add again to not only is there a phaser on Kirk, not only is the ship starting to have a decaying orbit and plummet towards the planet, Finney also sabotaged the ship so they can't get out of the decaying orbit because he's going to kill everyone who ever slighted him. And no, it's it's quite beautiful. It says, I killed your ship. Yeah. The Enterprise should have been mine. They don't ever forget... I knew I must blame everyone. I was a good officer. I love the ship. Blah, blah, blah. And they, I think they almost go to help it. And Commander Stone's like, no, we need to listen to this witness account. No, court has not been adjourned yet. Court has not been adjourned, so we should all just stand here and wait for us to plummet and this is, to our um, fiery death. They, they beat each other up for a little while. Finney apparently went to the same ridiculous full-body fling fighting Yeah, he school. just throws himself on top of Kurt. There's a lot of manful leaping. I wrote down fight, 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 etc. And then there's a wrench on the bench. Oh, mm-hmm. and Which Kurt- actually would be my MMA fighting style. <laughs> <laughs> wrench on the bench. Wrench on the bench. Uh, also, Kirk's shirt is artfully ripped open. Oh, the entire in the usual Kirk shirt pattern. Yeah, but the entire shoulder is ripped yeah. off, so he's got a nice hunk of chest and his mm. shoulder and part of his upper back showing. Man flesh. I blinked for one second, and yeah. I was like, wait, wait how, how did that, that happen? happen? Yeah, I didn't even see it happen. He, like, rolls over and his shirt's ripped, and I'm like, what? I actually wouldn't the mind The got excited. <laughs> just, they're just falling off of him now. Self-destructed. Like, and then basically he tells him, uh, by the way, your kid's on board by now. And so then he just And Kirk just it. punches him, like, into submission. He just sits there and wails on him. And then we sort yeah. of cut away, because that fight was getting really long. And we get a voiceover, this is where we get a voiceover, as Kirk is climbing through the Jeffrey's tube to fix the sabotage, describing Finney as beaten and sobbing. I think he's allowed to take a little bit of pleasure yeah. in watching this particular enemy get bested. Uh-huh. Um, told him how to fix the sabotage. Which apparently just involves... Pulling out pulling some out wires. Some stuff. Pulling out some stuff that definitely looks like it doesn't belong there. Yeah. yeah. And we get a bridge scene where everything is shaking a little bit. Not that bad. Just a tiny bit. The important thing here is that Uhura takes the wheel. Yes. 
Yeah. Yeah. So the ship is saved. Yay! The ship is saved. Kirk is exonerated. Court is dismissed. Uh, turns out that Sam Cogley is going to defend Finney. So right. cannot be on the ship to deliver any lines, probably because he could not remember them. <laughs> <laughs> and or the book that he sends the Shaw. Yes, he sends him a book, which looked like a boring legal tomb. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Super exciting reading. Ugh, worst. Worst get-out-of-jail-free present ever. Yeah. <laughs> and then comes a bit of serious unprofessionalism by both of them. Yeah. They make out on the bridge. They make in out uniform. On the bridge. In uniform. She's like, oh, I gotta go. But before I go, do you think discipline would fall apart if we made it with tongues? And he's like, mm, let's try. <laughs> they make out and with then, tongues. And then, it's one kiss. Yeah. And then they like pull away and they like look around the bridge to see and everyone who is saw judging. that. Yeah. The thing is that no one is looking at them until she leaves and then Kirk comes back down into the rest of the bridge and they're all like, well, he gets, Captain. he sits down in his chair and he gets flanked by Kirk and, Mc, or, uh, Spock and McCoy. Yeah. And Kirk's like, she's a very good lawyer. <laughs> and the guys are like, oh, yeah, yeah, good lawyer. <laughs> the end. <laughs> like, fuck you guys. I, I, I think they mean a very good lawyer. <laughs> oh. You're welcome. Yeah. And then, like, the end. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, life lesson Kim. I don't have one. Get a better lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Ari? <laughs> That's not how computers work. Or video. Mine is the computers are the devil. <laughs> and then apparently if you just talk to them sweetly, they will frame other people for murder. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Oh my god. So, this episode was like, it wasn't terrible and there was some good stuff in it, but because of there were so many plot holes and ridiculous stuff happening, I couldn't take it seriously at all. I liked it. I really liked it. I love that I was genuinely surprised yeah. by it. I can't Not believe once I forgot twice. that. I know that I've seen this episode all the way through before. I have seen yeah. it before But I just well. completely forgot this. But see, the thing is, is like, I wasn't surprised by the reveal that she was a lawyer. I saw that yeah. coming. Oh, no, no, definitely saw that. And I wasn't surprised... Okay, I was surprised that he was still alive, but not from like a, oh, that's shocking, but from a, oh, that's stupid, what the hell are they doing kind of point of view. It was kind of bananas, but I yeah, actually thought it was a good twist. It's a crazy revenge plot, and I yeah. love revenge. Crazy revenge plots are amazing. Yeah, I it mean. It was convincing. It was the details that I didn't like, but those were procedural issues, not to <laughs> With the computer. Lines. With the computer. Um, the button. The button specifically. The button I have a lot of problems with, but mm-hmm. I think I would definitely take that to Starfleet yeah. as my position of space corner. And I have a feature request for you, Starfleet. <laughs> no buttons on the chair. Like, no. I would put the PA system on the chair, and I feel like we've seen the PA, well, yeah, the PA sure system. I'm sure we've is. seen him flicking the yeah. PA on the chair We've before. actually yeah. seen that arm of that chair before, and it looked completely different. And why, so why would you up have the this... button for red alert, red alert and yellow alert? Because he's... They... Well, usually he speaks it, and someone else says Contrivance. Yeah. Contrivance. Extreme, obvious, frustrating contrivance. But I think only in terms of thinking about it with other episodes. If you think yes. about it on itself, Silly the idea that he might have accidentally push the wrong button. I think sure. it would have been a more interesting story if we'd written it. it yeah, yeah. Or yes, if definitely. they had done something along the lines of this was an investigation into did Kirk make a mistake? Mm-hmm. Was it the right decision as opposed to yeah. did he physically do something wrong? Or, you know, I remember being at Red Alert and pushing the button. The record didn't show that. And then a searching on, like, soul searching on am I fallible? Not, I'm not fallible. <laughs> What is this computer? 
computer think it is? A computer? Yeah, I, think, I think that the whole computer record versus what actually happened thing made it too... It, it, it wanted to make it too simple and it didn't work that it was too simple. Like, it, it would have been better if what we said about, like, you know, Finney stole his girlfriend and married her, whatever. And then, you know, there was some doubt in the way that Kirk behaved, that he called Red Alert too soon and then immediately ordered the pod jettisoned. I think if, you, if, if the argument had been, was he unconsciously yeah. presenting a situation that led to Finney's death? Yeah. Because Did he, he didn't the wrong decision him? because of personal bias. That would have been a yes. really interesting storyline. And it would have made a hell of a lot more sense than, the computer is lying! I would give you a computer is lying thing. Um... Or if they just left the video out of it. If it had been a transcript, I would have been bothered a lot less. But the video introduced too many The video seems so damning, though. It's so damning, but it's so damning in a way that is impossible. And also, it's so damning that it makes no sense that anyone is even trying to defend against it. And it turns out that it's almost a deus ex machina in the point, in in the sense that there's no way out of this, there's no way out of this, there's no way out of it, out of this. And it's true, because all of these structures, these immovable structures, are bent against Kirk. And then it turns out that the structures were never there in the first place. Well, it's, no, it's, it's set up essentially like a murder mystery. Yeah. Who killed Mr. Dell? <laughs> Mr. Mr. Dell, everyone saw Kirk go in with the knife. It's kind of like a locked room mystery. It is. It's yeah. essentially a locked room. And then you have to realize that the room itself isn't a room. There's a secret trap door underneath it, and Mr. Dell escaped through it. Or like um, Bertram's Hotel, where it's like the hand was wrong. No one was where you thought they were. Yes. That would have been better if it had been a human explanation rather than a someone fucked with the computer. It feels too easy. No, 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 no. It works for me because it's based on the one assumption that everyone makes throughout the entire thing, which makes all the evidence seem so credible the fact that finney is dead yeah and if you take away that everything else because he's the records manager because he has access to the computer it all makes sense yeah oh well of course if you remove that one assumption everything else is put into doubt but once that assumption is in place none of that yeah is yeah questionable and i feel like where the story lost me was the the jump from finney is dead to finney is not dead and they made that through the computer fucked up at chess. Therefore, Finney is not dead. And that was, to me, the weakest part of the entire it's thing. It's thin. And I still it's think that thin. it would have held together better if we'd only had a transcript and not video. The video I could have lived with, I agree with Kim, the reveal that the computer was dicked around with that yeah. Spur- Spock lose- wins at chess doesn't make any sense. Unless, unless, unless you'd establish that at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. If Spock had been playing and he only yeah, draws yeah. against the computer and then all of a sudden when he's very, not sad, but Vulcan sad. Troubled. Uh, when he's Vulcan sad after the trial is going on and he needs something to take his mind off and he and plays he a game of chess and then chess. notices. Yeah. As opposed to he just happens winning. to stumble upon this. No, is that Kirk says chess and then Spock's like, of course, chess. And you're like, which, no, it makes, what? it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, it comes but again, out of nowhere. If we rewrite this episode, yes. I think it could be the best episode <laughs> ever. With, with so, relatively little rewriting compared to other episodes no, that we have rewritten. Is that Kirk has a backstory with Finney and he doesn't like, he doesn't need to hate Finney, but he doesn't like him. And yeah. He's got a history with him. Yeah. And then that at the beginning, they're playing chess, he's playing chess against the computer and he's showing off my brand new, like, chess program that I wrote. And Kirk says, and they continually draw, and then he plays a game against Kirk, and Kirk wins. And they're like, oh, ho, 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 ho. Um, aren't you so clever, Kirk? You never make a mistake, blah, blah, blah. 
And then you go into like the iron storm and then you go into the trial and then he's sad and thinking about the good times that he had with Kirk and his assumptions that he has about Kirk, that Kirk is a great man, that Kirk is an uh, honorable man, that Kirk would never make a malicious mistake like that. And Mm -hmm. thinking back to that time, he goes back to the chess game, to that worthy adversary that he has, that friend that he has, that belief that he has in his friend, that he's loyal, that he never wins a chess and he starts playing chess against the computer and the computer, you know, usually lets him down and then he's winning and then he has the moment of... Oh, shit. Oh. It also would have introduced the possibility that whatever Spock had done to program the computer to play chess could have caused the issue. So that would have been another line. Although I still think that it is completely insane to allow anyone to edit your fucking computer operating system while you were flying the giant spaceship. They let the ladies of Signet 4 give their computer a... Sexy personality. Yeah. They should this really have better, <laughs> better computer security yeah. in I, place. Yeah, I did like that Majel Barrett was still doing the computer voices, but not sexy, which would make me sad. Yeah. yeah. Or even, I don't know, there were so many ways that this could have been tidier and cleaner. And it's just like one or two little things that really bug me about this one, even though I yeah. really like this episode. I like this episode as well, but I like my episode better. Oh, obviously. <laughs> so we have um, six ladies and seven people of color. Yeah. Mostly in the space bar scene. The uh, two of the court martial Yeah, two of the people on the judges. court yeah. um, um, Chanda. Commodore and... Stone is, is a black man. Yeah. He is the highest ranking yeah. black man that we'll see in the yeah. original series. Yeah, yeah. I really love Which that. Which is actually the second Commodore we've seen who is not a white guy. Yeah. Because the other Which guy was great. a Latino, was, wasn't he? Yeah. Yes. Jose... I forget his last name. He had, the, he had the Fabu name. He had a Fabu oh, yeah. name. He was also imaginary most of the time that we saw him. Yeah. Also, the personnel officer. I don't remember her name. She does not get a name. She does no. not get a name. No, she's just the personnel officer. Yes. Poor, poor Starfleet HR, HR lady. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Poor Ensign Asian personnel officer. We're sorry. We don't remember your name. She doesn't have a she name. She doesn't have a name. No, she does not. Yeah. Um, Kim, performance of the episode. Um, I'm going to give it to guest starring lady. Ariel. Ariel Shaw? Ariel Shaw, yeah. I liked her. She was yeah, good. I really hugely enjoyed her performance as well. She did very well with the material she was given. Oh, yeah. Ari? Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Kareem? She's going to say Kirk. Of course she's going to say Kirk. You're going to say Kirk? She's fighting with it. You're going to say is. Kirk. Do it. Who do you think it was? <laughs> Kareem's hiding her face Come in Come on, hands. Kareem. Just do it. It's Shatner. <laughs> ah! Well, I'm sure you're all shocked. <laughs> fight that he gets <laughs> you just have like no impulse oh. control when Shatner's shirt comes off you think that's good acting it's just good workout routine also his spanks worked really hard in this episode no it's because yeah, at, he didn't flash his underwear once no neither did Finny at a certain point I was like are his clothing made out of butter like that's the only explanation I can get as to why he ripped his shirt no I thought that the actress playing Ariel Shaw did a great job actually yeah yeah um i appreciated the casting on it i mm-hmm. thought she did a hell of a job i thought she presented a really like intellectually and um mature she balanced character. Mm-hmm. she yeah. was very yeah. equal to kirk yeah. in yeah. every way oh yeah whereas, absolutely whereas in some other... ways superior it's like that kind of <laughs> tipped a little bit in her direction in a lot of ways when she was persecuting him for a crime <laughs> Prosecuting but, him, great. Not persecuting him. I would argue both. <laughs> um, but I, often the women that we've seen paired with Kirk are either imaginary uh, <laughs> children or women that are under him. <laughs> in, 
in the command structure. Gotcha. Uh, but she is outside the command structure and not on yeah. the ship. In fact, the only other lady who has seemed like, because most of them are dewy-eyed ingenues who are like 19 years old, the only other lady that I can think of who has seemed as equal to him in a relationship is the imaginary one with the two-tone dress in the show. because she doesn't, she, I don't think she says a single thing. She, they have a huge long conversation. I think she just sits there. No, they talk quite a lot, but they're really, it, it's like the, the impression of the energy between them is a lot more equal than, again, most of the other female Well, they met stars. when they were in high school. Also, she's imaginary, so they're going to be yeah. as equal as Kirk <laughs> wants them to be. Well, actually, yeah, I guess that says more about Kirk than His imaginary about. bully was definitely superior yeah. to him. Also apparently made out of rubber. Yes. <laughs> so, the last thing. My count. Yes, Kim? Deaths. There were none. I, was, I guess there was negative one death. <laughs> yeah. You died and then it kind of I was like, back. through the entire thing, I'm like, this is going to be really easy. There's one death. And then I got to the end and I'm like, no. Robbed zero of deaths. deaths. I was robbed of my death count. <laughs> oh, I was really oh, upset about oh. that. I guess that could have gone... <laughs> Minus one death. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us for a Law and Order STOS. That was amazing. Dun dun. <laughs> that's that's the end of Law and Order, Kim. Just in case you don't know it, that's, thank that's you. The sound that it makes. <laughs>